episode 59. We are in the month of September. College football starts on Saturday. Joe, you're fired up. I'm fired up. And I am pumped about our guest this week. We got Ben Portnoy, who writes for the state newspaper down in Columbia, covering the Gamecocks for South Carolina football. AP poll voter. He's got his hands all over college football and his interview preview in week one in the college football season coming up next. We are pleased to be joined this week by a writer for the state newspaper covering South Carolina football, my good friend Ben Portnoy. Ben, good to see you. It's been a while, man. Uh, you know, you, you were just journeying around the SEC. You started out in Starkville, <laughs> now you're down in Columbia. So you know what college football season is all about. We had a little taste of it last week, but now it's starting. So how are you feeling just about the season getting going? I'm good. Peter, this is fun, man. It's been a little too long. I know, yeah. It's been a while since our uh, our big train days, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, things are good, man. It's exciting. Uh, you know, it's a new era here in Columbia, and I guess my, what now, third year in the SEC. So excited to get going, excited to watch uh, hopefully some good football, whether that's from South Carolina or, <laughs> or whoever they're playing, but uh, we'll see. I've been curious just from, you know, you obviously covering and other writers and media people, is there just a sense of excitement and just a newfound just love for your job, kind of not being hands-on last year, having to do all the Zoom stuff, and now you get to go to games and be in the media room and just enjoy all that stuff? Yeah, there's something really cool just about kind of being around, right? Like just shooting the breeze with people in the media room before and after stuff, you know, you know yanking each other's legs and whatever else like it's just kind of the fun camaraderie of it that you didn't get a lot of last year right everyone's kind of doing things over zoom and it's just it it just isn't quite the same and you know when you get around the team you get a little more personality you know a coach pokes their head in and you know makes a joke as you're going through stuff whatever right like it's just there's just a fun piece of being able to see people and be in front of people and hang out with people a little more and uh yeah, definitely don't take it for granted. Super excited to be back in the press boxes, you know, all the time this year and uh, traveling full time and all of that. So it's it's exciting. It was a little crazy last year, but super excited where uh, we're where we're at. We have a bunch of serious questions that we have to get to, but who the hell is Zeb Nolan? Go to that first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair question. I mean, it's been yeah. I apologize. Zeb has kind of it's been kind of crazy with uh, him getting Zeb Nolan getting named the starting quarterback. Uh, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Zeb Nolan was hired here in uh, over the summer as a graduate assistant at South Carolina, and uh, about twenty minutes later is now going to be the starting quarterback at South Carolina for Week One. Uh, oh, yeah, Luke Doty went down with a foot injury. He came out of the spring as the starting quarterback. And even after that, I mean, you know, South Carolina kind of went through a competition for a few days. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll never forget it. I was I was standing out of practice. And I guess this would have been two weeks ago today, actually. And I looked over at one of my colleagues and I was like, who the hell is that in the green jersey number 25? We kind of started poking around. We asked someone and finally he was like, it's Zeb Nolan. He's a graduate assistant. And I was like, is he like practicing today? Is this like a long-term thing? Like, right. Like what the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden it turns into a competition and, you know, we, we learn a little bit more about him. He played with Brock Purdy at Iowa state, played it with Trey Lance at North Dakota state after that. I mean, he's a guy who's been around some really good quarterbacks. So it's, uh, it, it's one of the crazier stories I can remember. And like, 
there's not really any precedent for it, right? <laughs> like, there's just nothing. I mean, I've said this a couple times in the last few weeks, but like the closest thing I can think of is like Bobby Boucher and the Water Boy, because like that's literally the closest thing I can think of. Um, you know, nothing exactly rooted in reality, but it's uh, yeah, it's been. <laughs> It's been a crazy couple of days. I, I know the Broncos tried to do this last year. Remember that one week where everybody was out? Yeah. They tried to get the QB coach to be quarterback, and the NFL didn't allow it. That was the only other thing my mind went to. But I was reading this story, and I'm like, you know what? Good for this guy. I hope it turns out to be like a Kurt Warner supermarket to Hall of Fame story. But if like, it's Georgia or Clemson. Oh. Guy would be that's a, what I'm saying. Build like, a statue. He'd be a hero. That's what I'm saying. Like, where can I like put a bet on his Heisman odds or something <laughs> like that? Like, let's get this thing going. Let's get the hype train going. Oh man. Uh, PJ, you could resume with your serious questions. I just had to get that off my chest first and foremost. I did like I, I that's been eating at me all day. I could not wait for this time to hit to, to ask you the question. It was a great question. Zeb Nolan could throw 25 interceptions, but he'll be first name all SEC. Uh, that's a great story. Now, Ben, the game of week one and maybe even the season is Georgia-Clemson. So two things. First, I want to get your thoughts on the game. And then second thing, because you cover South Carolina and those people hate Clemson and they hate Georgia, I'm interested, which team do you think they'll be pulling for um, in that game? It's a good question. Uh, I'll answer the latter part first, I think I'll go with Georgia. I think, you know, folks around Columbia would rather die than see Clemson win a national <laughs> title or beat someone of, of substance. So I, I think that's where that ends. Um, you know, as far as the game, I mean, I think it's fascinating, you know, having covered, you know, at, at least watch Georgia from afar and maybe a little bit closer, just being in the SEC, um, you know, the last couple of years, like this feels like the year. And I know we say that every year, right? Like this is the year it can happen, but like, if Georgia's going to go and beat Alabama or go and win an SEC championship or, and make a run to a national title again, like this feels like the year. Mm-hmm. Things line up. I mean, we've had some injuries the last you know few weeks. George Pickens, obviously, we don't know if he's going to be able to play at all this year, and that does change the complexion of this offense. I mean, he's one of the best, probably, you know, three or four receivers in this league, if not the country. Um, so when you factor that in, I mean, it's interesting, but you finally got the quarterback that you feel like is, you know, a game changer in the way that's, you know, schools like in Alabama or in Oklahoma have been able to bring in and JT Daniels. And, you know, if that knee holds up, I mean, you feel pretty confident that JT is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. So uh, I, I think it's a really interesting game. I'm picking Georgia. If Clemson wins, I'm not going to be surprised, but you know, this feels like a game that I think Georgia can win, you know, it should be favored in. But, uh, you know, I think it's more important for Clemson, really. Like uh, one of my colleagues wrote a story about this the other day, and I'm not sure if it's come out yet. But point being is, you know, Clemson needs this win because they don't play anyone worth a damn the rest yeah. of the year. So, like, you know, that's not necessarily an indictment on the ACC, but like, Clemson's not going to have something to pad its schedule. And if you're a one-loss Clemson team with, you know, your one loss being a, a Georgia team that's probably going to be one of the two, three at the worst, you know, teams in the SEC, like, you need this game if you're Clemson. But I think Georgia gets it done. That's my pick. All right. It's the biggest game of the week by far, but there are a lot of other ones that have maybe flown under the radar a little bit because this one is getting so much hype. So what other game from the slate has maybe caught your eye? And not necessarily just the SEC overall as well. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm obviously interested to see South Carolina versus Eastern Illinois. Um, and just because it's Shane Beamer's first year, it's, 
you know, my first game at Williams Bryce, all of Zeb that. Nolan. <laughs> Zeb Nolan, like is Zeb gonna come out and throw for four hundred yards and six touchdowns? Like, bring it on, right? That'd be awesome. Um, you know, that said, there's some other interesting ones. Like I think UCF Boise State's a really fun game yeah. in the group of five. Mm. Uh, you know, what can UCF do after you know Josh Heupel's now left? Like, what does that team look like under Gus Malzahn? I- I'm fascinated. Like, I always love watching those games. I think they're interesting. You know, Boise State, you know, now without Brian Harson as well. Uh, you know, that's probably one that I circle on on the calendar that I think is going to be really fun. I, I guess if I have to go with my alma mater, Indiana. I, I was love, waiting for that. Uh, I thought baby. you were going to go there. Yeah, that's, that's my next one for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, proud Indiana alum, love, love the Hoosiers, and, you know, hope that they can get it done, I guess, against a, a really good Iowa team in Kinnick. And, I, I mean, I think that's probably the best game in the Big Ten this week, um, if you don't count maybe Penn State and Wisconsin. But I, I'm not totally sold on Wisconsin nor Penn State, frankly. So. Right. Uh, I really like I really like seeing what Indiana's made of right off the bat. How good can Michael Penix be? All of that good stuff. So those are uh, those are a couple of the ones that I would circle this week. I got to give the Big Ten credit because they're really the only Power Five conference playing conference games week one, and they understand the spotlight that no NFL has. And uh, like you said, they got some pretty good matchups in week one. Now you talked about South Carolina playing Eastern Illinois. That game isn't until seven p.m. at night. So I'm interested if you could just kind of take us through like what game day will be like for you. Will you be able to watch college game day in the morning? Will you be able to be uh, watch maybe a noon kickoff game, first quarter or something? And then what time do you think you'll probably uh, end up getting to the stadium about? Yeah, so 7 p.m. games are kind of fun in the sense that you do get to kind of hang out and watch the noon games and, and even a little bit of the 3 o'clock games, at least the kickoff and maybe the first quarter or so. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll always get up and watch college game day as best yeah. I can, even even if it's an early game, you know, if it's 11, I guess now being on back on East Coast time, uh, a 12 o'clock kickoff. Um, you know, I like to get up and watch game day and watch a couple of the segments and kind of see what people are talking about. I think it's really fun. And I don't know, for me, college game day is kind of part of, you know, why I fell in love with college football and why I love it so much. I think it's really a, a really cool thing and, and a staple of the sport. Um, but you know, as far as that goes on a 7 PM game, you know, I'll get to the stadium. I usually shoot to be at the stadium somewhere between two and a half and three hours before the game, try and beat a little traffic for one, but two, get in, get settled. You know, I I like to usually stroll the sidelines a little bit. Now I I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year and just, you know, Mm -hmm. talk to people and catch up with people and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, it'll be exciting just to be able to get there give, probably give myself a chance to get lost a little bit, just because I'm sure it's going to take me a few wrong turns to, uh, actually get to the press box my first go around at Williams Bryce, but uh, yeah, I guess second with the spring game, but that's a while back and I don't really remember a hell of a lot. So it's <laughs> going to take me a little bit, but uh, no, it'll, it'll be super fun. So I'll get to the game about two and a half, three hours before the game. Uh, you know, keep an eye out if any guys are injured, any guys aren't playing that kind of thing, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, we get a little closer to kickoff and keep an eye out for starting lineups and we'll see what Zeb Noland and the uh, Gamecocks <laughs> have in store for us all. <laughs> and, you know, Hopefully it's a quick game and it's over by halftime and I can finish my gamer pretty quickly and get in and get out. But we'll see, we'll see whether that happens. <laughs> as long as Tony Romo is not walking through the door, Jimmy G, you should be all right. <laughs> well, it's funny. Shane Beamer was talking about today that, you know, when his dad was – Frank was still the head coach at Murray State, uh, the last game that he coached at Murray State was against Eastern Illinois. And Eastern Illinois' quarterback that day was Sean Payton. So, oh, God. Uh, it was kind of so another, there another, too. Wow. Yeah, another one in the uh, lineage of uh, Eastern Illinois football. So that was a fun one. But I was like, man, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good little, wow. uh, yeah, little that note. Is. Now, that's a rabid fan base down there. So obviously they want to be the best they can be every single year. But 
with Zeb Nolan, that quarterback, with a new head coach, what are the realistic expectations do you think around the Gamecocks this season? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I've been having a hard time trying to peg it down for the last few weeks. You know, I kind of got here and I was like, okay, this team's going to be terrible. They're coming off a two and eight year. Like th- this thing kind of got blown up with Will Muschamp and all of that. But, um, you know, where, how do they fix it? Right. And, you know, they had a lot of questions in the secondary, uh, a lot of questions, you know, at quarterback, frankly, uh, and, you know, piece together, piece it together a little bit. I mean, Shane, I, I give Shane Beamer a lot of credit. He went out and got guys, right. He had, holes that he needed to plug in the secondary especially and they went out and signed nine transfers this offseason and that, that's a big load to bring in even in this day and age so um you know it, it's interesting I think there's some guys on this team that can make some plays I mean I think Kevin Harris you know Kevin Harris comes back after rushing for over 1100 yards and 15 touchdowns last year led the SEC in rushing uh he's back Marshawn Lloyd who was a top 50 recruit uh towards ACL in fall camp last year and he's back at running back as well like I mean, if you could look at those guys just on paper, and I know Marshawn Lloyd hasn't played a college football game yet. Uh, I mean, those guys are as good as you're going to get in, in the SEC and really around the country. I mean, I really feel pretty confident saying they're probably one of the two or three best backfields in the conference. Uh, so if you can lean on that running game, you bring back three starters on the offensive line. Uh, I think you can be all right. If you look at the schedule, South Carolina plays enough kind of I, I use the word mediocre. I don't know if that's right, but kind of mediocre teams that, you know, you play at Tennessee, you play home against Kentucky, you play at Missouri, and, and you know, you don't necessarily expect them to win all of those, and they may lose all three. But, um, you know, I, I think that if you're South Carolina, you just need to avoid being, frankly, utterly terrible. Uh, you know, as long as you don't go 1-11, and 2-10, right? Like, they've got a week two game at East Carolina, which is a bizarre thing. Uh, and that's a decent-ish uh, East Carolina team that's, that's been a little bit better under Mike Houston. Uh, but a program that's been down since Ruffin McNeil got fired a couple of years ago. So uh, if you're South Carolina, I think you probably need to win four or five games. I don't think you have to get to a bowl game. Frankly, I, I'm not sure that I can see them getting to a bowl game this year. I, I think I can pick out maybe five games that you say, hey, okay, they can get to five wins maybe. Uh, they can get to four wins. I think they should get to four wins. I mean – You've got Troy, East Carolina, and Eastern Illinois on the schedule. You should win all three of those. And then you throw Vanderbilt in the equation. And, you know, again, you've got Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri. Uh, and even Auburn, who, who I'm pretty low on and I think might be really, really bad this year. So uh, there's enough games out there where you're kind of like, yeah, you can talk yourself into it. But I think that, it, it, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say they go four and eight. But some, uh, it's not inconceivable that they could win five. And, you know, maybe they trap the world and win six. But. Uh, if this team wins six games, then Shane Beamer should probably be up for coach of the year in the conference. <laughs> now, you you kind of gave a little SEC preview a little bit, but I just wanted to ask you, a lot of people think Bama, Georgia are kind of in their sure. own tier. And then after that, especially in the SEC East, a lot of things are up for grab. People think A&M could maybe get into the playoff conversation. LSU's a real wild card this year. Ole Miss could be a sleeper team. But a lot of people have Kentucky as the second-best team in the East. They think they'll be better than Florida. Missouri's an interesting team. So how do you kind of see the SEC playing out after Bama and Georgia? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I think when you look at the East, it's, it's always a little bit interesting because it's, it's generally Florida, Georgia, and everyone else. Um, you know, when you look at the West, you got Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M. Uh, I, I think Mississippi State should be a lot better than they were last year. Uh, and, you know, a few others there. Um, 
you know, if I'm picking, I, I think that I, I think that Georgia can win the national championship this year. I mean, I feel pretty confident in the Bulldogs. Like, I think they can be the best team in the conference. Uh, I think Alabama, I mean, look, Nick Saban kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt at this point, right? Um, you know, Bryce Young comes in. He's a guy who's been there for at least a year now, but still, and PJ, you can probably speak to this better than I can as, a, as an Alabama guy. But, uh, you, you know, I think that if you're Alabama, you're still replacing a lot. I mean, look, Devontae Smith just walked out the door, and that's probably one of the best receivers that we've seen in the history of college football. And, you know, Alabama's got dudes. You know, I think John Mechie's in for a huge year. Uh, among some other guys, but uh, you still got to replace those guys to some degree. And, and I think that's difficult no matter who you are. Uh, but I, I really feel confident in Georgia. If you go beyond that, Florida's got Emory Jones taking things over. I haven't been overly impressed with Emory Jones in the couple of times I've seen him, you know, and, you know, sparing Kyle Trask and other guys in the past. I'm not sold. I don't know what that that offense is going to look like. I think South Carolina, you know, or excuse me, Florida's got to replace some other guys. You lose Kadarius Tony, you lose Kyle Pitts. Like, you got some pieces that you need to replace on that offense. And I think they're, you know, you probably see a little bit of a dip offensively, even if, you know, you have Dan Mullen running the show there and, and we know what he can do offensively. Um, I like Kentucky. I think Kentucky has been really stable. I mean, it, it's, I don't know that they finished second in the, in the East, but I mean, look, if there's anyone who deserves the benefit of the doubt outside of maybe Nick Saban, it's, it's Mark Stoops. Like, I think he's truly one of the most underrated coaches in this conference and in this, you know, country, really. I mean, you look at what Kentucky football was for years and years. And, you know, there's been some little moments where, you know, how mommy got him to a, what, seven and five, seven and six year at one point with, uh, uh, at one point with the air raid when Mike Leach was the OC there. So, I mean, there's been some moments, but this team has been really, really consistent. They've gone to a lot of bowl games the last few years, you know, they've seen what two 10 win seasons in the last, I think five, seven years, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, I, I like Kentucky. I think they always, you know, they seem to always turn out offensive linemen, but uh, that's a team that tends to get better as the season goes on. And you've seen it before. Like I, I always think, and I think it's one of the better coaching jobs done in the last few years is uh, when you threw Lynn Bowden back there at quarterback mm. and, you know, you literally didn't have a quarterback on that roster who you felt yeah. comfortable running yeah. the offense and they still won eight games. Like that team had no right to win eight games and they won eight games. So uh, you know, when you look at that, like you feel pretty confident that Kentucky can be pretty strong. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying, I think it's a little bit up for grabs. I think Texas A&M can be great too. I mean, I don't know how good Haynes King is going to be as a freshman, but uh, with everything else that A&M brings back, like you think that should be probably a top five, six, seven, eight team in the country. So uh, it, it's a little top heavy. I think the West is going to be really good and really deep. Uh, I, I kind of alluded to it. I think Auburn might be really bad this year. That's, I think my surprise, I think they could be really terrible. I, I have zero confidence that Bo Nix is ever going to figure it out at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> look, I don't know. It's been what three years of this right now. And we still haven't seen him get any better. He lost his what top two or three pass catchers. Like there's no way that that you can get better when you lose that many guys and you haven't inspired any confidence before it. I mean, that's probably a pretty surface level analysis, but <laughs> um you know, again, like I, I think the West can be really deep. I think Mississippi State's gonna be better. I think Ole Miss has a chance to be the second best team in the conference uh, in the in the West uh, if they can beat Texas and A&M or you know hang around with Alabama. Um, I don't know what we're gonna get out of LSU. Max Johnson's the freshman freshman quarterback, so you know I don't want to say Ed Orgeron's coaching for his job necessarily. You know, for two years off of the national championship, but if things go to hell and in Baton Rouge combined with all the off the field stuff, like it's a tough year for it's a little bit of a hot seat if you're if you're LSU and Ed Orgeron so uh 
it should be a fun year. There's a lot going on. And, you know, Josh Heupel taking over at Tennessee too. Missouri, I think can be really good. I mean, you got some pieces. It's going to be really a fascinating year. All that you laid out is why I cannot wait for Saturday to get here because it's just, <laughs> I, I love it. Like it's, it's every week there's going to be something and it's going to be really fun to follow along all season. And obviously you've got your ties out of South Carolina before that Mississippi state. I want to take you back there for a second. Uh, yeah. You got to cover Mike Leach for a season. Unfortunately, of course, the COVID season, there wasn't probably a lot of human interaction, but what is it like getting to actually cover probably the most interesting man in college football? Yeah, Mike's a really interesting character. I mean, the thing that I, I yeah, to say the least, right? Um, but but no, I think like the thing that's really interesting about Mike is that, and I don't think I necessarily knew it till I covered him, right? It was looking into his background. I mean, he's been around a lot of really interesting people and a lot of different interesting places, right? I mean, he got his start at Valdosta State and Iowa Wesleyan before that. Uh, you know, was the offensive coordinator of Kentucky, worked at Oklahoma, and obviously we know about, you know, Texas Tech, Washington State, and now Mississippi State as well as a head coach. But, you know, you look at his background and all the guys he's worked with and, and sort of these air raid guys, that it, it's sort of its own subculture of co- the, the coaching landscape. And it's really fascinating, you know, the guys that Leach are, is tight with and the guys that he keeps up with. And, you know, I got to talk to Hal Mommy a good bit and Hal for, you know, the people listening who don't know who Hal is. I mean, he, he was Mike's first boss and, and kind of his mentor for, throughout the years, and, uh, was the head coach at uh, Iowa Wesleyan and Valdosta State and then Kentucky after that. Uh, and, and is kind of known as for developing the air raid offense and Mike kind of helped him get it there. But Hal's a super fascinating guy as well to talk to. And, uh, you know, Mike's definitely a character, you know, he's not afraid to let you have it here and there if he doesn't agree with you or something like that. But uh Mike's a really interesting guy I mean he's always there's always something going on with Mike for better or worse and uh you know he's a guy that has won a lot of football games and it it, it wasn't necessarily a great year at Mississippi State last year you know they went three and seven won a bowl game but uh you know that said that they're marching towards something I think they should be a little bit better the defense should be really good again uh I I think they got a okay or a decent shot at, at having a pretty decent quarterback with Will Rogers so uh it should be fun to watch. And, and it's always interesting. Like Mike's teams tend to get better by year three, uh, year two, year three, year four, right? It's kind of, it's a sort of a slow burn, but they, they tend to get better as time goes on. And mm-hmm. just because the system is so different, like, you know, Joe Moorhead was running an RPO based, you know, heavy run scheme. And now you're going to the air raid where you throw the ball 55, 60 times a game. Like it's just so different. It could not be more, you know, short of the triple option. It's about as different as you can get. So um, recruiting the guys that you need and all that. It takes time, but uh, Mike's Mike's a piece of work. That's for sure. Then <laughs> uh, we do two segments for all of our guests to finish. We do a rapid fire and a trivia question. Before we get to that, though, uh, you got to give us your playoff picks, your four teams you think will make it, and then your eventual champion. Ooh, all right. Uh, I guess if I'm going off my AP poll that I put in two weeks ago, I think I had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Uh, I had Alabama a little low. I think, you know, after some oversight and thinking about it, that was probably a mistake. But I'll wear it for now. Uh, You know, I think I had Alabama missing the playoff and losing to Georgia. But um, that's kind of my four. I'm going to pick Georgia. I I think that, you know, if it's going to happen, this is going to be the year that Georgia does it. Uh, I'm probably not, you know, create – it's possible Ohio State wins. I mean, I feel pretty good about what Ohio State brings back for the most part. I think they've got probably two of the best receivers in the country uh, coming back. And, 
you know, I think I was, I guess I was the only one in the country to pick Ohio state number one. So for better <laughs> or worse, I guess I had to ride with that. And I should say Ohio state's going to win, but uh, I like Ohio state's chances to run the table in the big 10 and at least get to the playoff. And, you know, we'll see what happens from there, but if it's not going to be Georgia, it's going to be Ohio state. So I guess I'm kind of hedging my picks there, but the, 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 that's my picks there. Nice. Fair enough. All right. The two segments starting off with the swift seven rapid fire. Here we go. Number one, best home field advantage in the sec. Uh, I'm going to say LSU. I'm going to say death Valley, especially on a Saturday night. Oh God. Oh, yeah. Uh, number two, this is, this is something that harkens back to uh, something that we've had in the past with Mike Leach in a mascot battle to the death. Which SEC mascot emerges victorious? Ooh, that's a tough one. You got a bunch of tigers to deal with. Man, underratedly, I'm going with the Razorback. I feel good Ooh, about that one. I, wow. As a surprise pick, that 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 pig's mean looking. Got some tusks <laughs> going. Like he'll mess you up a little bit. So I'm, I'm going with the the Razorback in an upset. All right, wow. number three, favorite football movie. Ooh, that's a good one. Friday Night Lights. I think Friday Night Lights. Can't go wrong with a lot of them, but that's a good one. Uh, number four, favorite sports memory from your childhood as a fan? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, from childhood, I don't know if it's a favorite, but definitely uh, the one that's seared into my memory is, I think it was the 2003 Rose Bowl. Uh, both my parents are Michigan alums, and I remember watching Michigan lose on a last-second field goal to Texas, and that's about one of the earliest sports memories I have. And I'm pretty sure it was 2003. It might have been 2002, but uh, I was about, shoot, <laughs> six seven years old so it was an early one and i remember distinctly watching it so that's that's definitely one of my earliest ones number five what is your dream road game in college football that you would love to go see south carolina play what stadium do you want to see you know i'd love to get out west i haven't spent a lot of time out there i think the rose bowl seeing a game out there again you know or the coliseum watch usc ucla any of those. I mean, getting out to the Rose Bowl would be awesome. Keeping my fingers crossed the Hoosiers might get there one day in my lifetime. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's definitely on the top of my list. I think Oregon, you know, Austin Stadium is one of the best environments in college football, it seems like, from the outside looking in. But uh, there's some other good ones around the Big Ten uh, that I'd like to get to. But th those are toward the top of my list. Definitely out west. I haven't spent a lot of time out there, so I'd like to uh, like to check out some games out that way, hey, too. LEO, man. It could happen this year. LEO. <laughs> <laughs> uh number six would you rather see indiana win a title in hoops or football football 100 percent. really no, that was no it. hesitation football i'm i've always been a football guy i always joke that i probably shouldn't have gone to a basketball school with how much i love football but uh i think i think the idea of indiana winning a national title in football is both insane and awesome because <laughs> You know, as I can attest from talking to my friends, most Indiana fans don't know how to act now that their football team is competent. And just trying to imagine how that would go is uh, is pretty wild. And lastly, Ben, before your trivia question, who's your Heisman pick? It's a good question. Uh, I think I went with Sam Howell as my QB1 on my preseason All-American team. Uh, I, I like Sam Howell's chances if Carolina, you know, South, excuse me, I guess I should say North Carolina. Well, you got to specify Carolina, that. You South really Carolina, specify. right? Uh, but North Carolina, if North Carolina can hang around and, and, you know, if they can run the table, if they can go, you know, one or two losses heading into the ACC championship against Clemson and, you know, Sam Howell can put up the numbers we think he can. I, I really like his chances. If it's not Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler's as good a pick. I mean, Brees Hall at Iowa State, I think, has a really good chance as well. Uh, but I, if I'm going to go a non-quarterback, it's Brees Hall, I think. But if it's quarterback, I, I'll take Sam Howell. More people refer to South Carolina as Carolina or USC, would you say? 
that's a good question. I think it's, it's pretty balanced, but you know, growing up, I mean, full disclosure, I grew up Carolina was North Carolina. So, you know, being down here, I'm like, Oh, people like Carolina. This, I'm the Carolina, same way Ca- like, for me. Southern Cal. Yeah. USC is Southern Cal. <laughs> yeah. Carolina is North Carolina. So I don't really know what to call yeah. it. When I went to Bama, people would refer to it as UA and I'm like, that's Arizona. Like we're not UA, <laughs> like we're Bama. UA is Arizona. So it's just interesting. Yeah, it's definitely been relearning it a little bit and, and retraining my brain, I guess, a little bit with it all because, uh, you know, it's been a little crazy. But, yeah, I, I'd say it's pretty balanced between USC and Carolina, but it's definitely been uh, – that was definitely a quick learning experience for me. <laughs> ben, your trivia question, I'm going to test your memory and see, oh, see man. how well you remember Mississippi State from last season. So you get 90 yeah. seconds, you get three strikes, Okay. All you got to do is tell me the four teams that they beat last season. Okay. Uh, I know Missouri's won. Missouri's won. LSU's won. Correct. Uh, shoot. I'm, I'm, I should know this better than I do. Uh, let's see. Auburn, they lost Alabama. Uh, lost Ole Miss. Who am I missing? Who was their crossover game last year? No, it was Missouri. Man, this is tough. I'm losing it. They <laughs> lost at Kentucky. Uh, when was their second win? It must have been – shoot, let's see. Kentucky – what? It was Missouri, LSU. Who's the third one? Oh, they beat Tulsa in the bowl game. There you there's go. Four. There you go. And then there's three. Shoot, what's my, what's my third one? You got uh, 50 seconds left, so you got plenty of time. Let's see. I think, you know, they lost to Arkansas. I'm running down the list of the the big, the big Ten West. Uh, let's see. It wasn't Alabama. It wasn't Auburn. It wasn't AM. It wasn't. They beat LSU. They lost Ole Miss. Lost to Kentucky. Lost to Missouri. Beat Missouri. Beat Tulsa. Beat LSU. Man, what was that third win? Oh, you're going to hate yourself if you don't get it. You're going to hate himself. I know. I'm, I'm dying seconds. here. Oh, damn. Who was it? Who am I missing? To, uh, not a No, who was it? It was their Ten other crossing. Can he beat the buzzer? Five, four, three, two, one. I can't oh, think of the fourth oh. one. What it I was missing? the worst team in the SEC. <laughs> what am I? What am I? Oh my God! They beat Vanderbilt. They beat Vandy. Vandy. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I was trying to think of the other crossover game. There, See, there. That's, that's why the question was tough because they only go. beat one SEC West team. So yep. I want to see if you remember. Tulsa was a good pull. I wouldn't know if you remember that just because of the season and you know playing in the bowl game. But you got that one. But uh, yeah, they beat they beat mighty Vanderbilt there in that slugfest. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we let you absolute. go. Before we let you Absolutely go, I'm curious, what's the, uh, what's the AP poll process like? Do you have, how often do you have to, like, how quickly do you have to get that in each week? And, and what's that whole thing like? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, I just hopped on this within the last few weeks. Uh, shout out to Pete Yacobelli for getting me on that, uh, getting South Carolina's vote. For better or worse, they decided to entrust me with that. Uh, but it, it's really cool. Uh, you know, we turn it around pretty much after game day. Uh, I forget the exact schedule. Uh, frankly, I got to check this out before Saturday. But uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think they they try to get all the votes in by about 9 a.m. Saturday. So usually it behooves you to just do it Sunday night while you're still working and doing stuff. But uh, you turn it in that night. Uh, Ralph Russo at the AP, who's been covering college football for probably about longer since I, longer than I've been alive, 
puts it all together and, and runs the poll and all of that. So it's, it's a little bit crazy. You know, I definitely, it's hard in, in, you know, doing what I'm doing that, you know, you got to try and watch as many games as you can while you're, uh, while you're multitasking. So I like to bring an iPad into the press box and at least keep one game on. Usually the TVs are on with at least one other game before the game and stuff like that. So I keep pretty good tabs around the country as best I can. And obviously there's a lot of other beat writers out there that, that you can do a lot of reading and, you know, check out what they're doing. So it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm under a microscope now, man. I, you know, going into it week one, I was like, you know, just don't be like the one guy who picks whichever team it is. Number one in the country. Like, don't be that one guy who's out on an Island. And of course I ended up being the only person to pick Ohio state number one. So yeah, I, I, I royally screwed that one up, but that's okay. I felt good about it. I'm still riding with the Buckeyes. I feel good with that one. My Michigan alum parents probably wouldn't be thrilled, but I'm, I'm riding with the Buckeyes preseason number one. All I'm saying is after Maryland beats West Virginia on Saturday, just slide them in at 25, and then you only got 24 more to worry about. <laughs> Speaking of Maryland, I, Tyrell Pigram made, a, made an appearance today. I saw Tyrell I like, Pigram is now the backup quarterback to the potential Heisman came winner back? at Ole Miss. At yeah. Ole Miss. I saw that came back, oh and I was like, God. man, I think Tyrell Pigram started playing when I was still in college, like when I was a freshman in college. A couple so. more years, a couple more years, and he'll be old enough to play for Bishop Sycamore. There you go. <laughs> That's man, I'm, I'm surprised it took us this long to get a Bishop. Oh Sycamore my God, that really. I was telling my, uh, I was telling my mom about that today. I was talking to her, and she was like, "No, I didn't hear any of this." And I'm like, "If I told you, you wouldn't believe it." So. It's crazy. <laughs> I tried to explain it to my girlfriend today, and she I, she was like, I don't understand how that happens. I was like, you know, neither does anyone else, so you're in good company. Do they have a Netflix documentary first or a 30 for 30 about it first? Who gets it first? Uh, it won't be a 30 for 30 because ESPN is the culprit of how oh, they got right. up national That's a great point. So it's definitely going to be Netflix. Point. It'll be Netflix, yeah. But we <laughs> need that great, or something. I was going to say, this would be a great Netflix documentary like six months or eight months from now. I can't it's literally Firefest, but uh, with high it's school great. football, and they did that already, 100%. so why not? A hundred percent. And the, the Twitter content around it has been great. I've, oh. I've gotten a good a couple of laughs oh, today. So good. So <laughs> the coach good. got fired today. And my first question was, how do you get fired from a fake job at a fake school? Like, is that right, even like, who actually is, is in charge of firing him? Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand how this works. It's the whole thing's insane. I, I mean, they're really, you know, we talk about Zeb Nolan. There's, there's no precedent for this either, but like, I mean, you know, what is going on there? It's wild. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving every bit of this story though. So oh, that's a great, that's a great, on that note, that's a great way to end it, PJ. That's, it really is. You can't top that. <laughs> can't top Bishop Sycamore. That's pretty good. Ben, it was great seeing you again, man. Congrats again on all the success and uh, enjoy the college football season. I'm glad that you'll be able to be in person and covering some of these games. So it should be a lot of fun. You got your taste of the Egg Bowl last year, and now you're going to get your taste of uh, Clemson, South Carolina. So that should be, that should be pretty good. Yeah, super excited. Definitely. Uh, you know, my first egg bowl was the, the Elijah Moore, you know, peeing there dog thing. So it's oh, been, yeah. been a crazy couple of years. Uh, but I'm excited for South Carolina Clemson. Hopefully it's a, a little more competitive this year than it's been in past. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm excited to be back in the SEC and, uh, you know, appreciate you guys having me and taking the time. Man, PJ, it's been a minute since, since our big train days. But it uh, has, man. It's been fun. It man. has. It was good seeing you again. Take care and uh, enjoy the season, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Once again, that was Ben Portnoy joining us. Great to see Ben. I uh, worked with the uh, at the Bethesda Big Train with him doing some summer collegiate baseball stuff. And he was down in Mississippi State, how he got his start. And now he's over covering South Carolina. 
And Ben is also on the Georgia hype train. He is at the head <laughs> of the ship. He thinks they're going to beat Clemson. He thinks this is their year to win the national title. Um, Joe, I just Georgia is getting so much hype now. I got an ESPN notification earlier today as we're recording on Thursday saying that the most money bet on a team to win the national championship, probably no surprise, is Alabama. They're the number one team. But it feels like Georgia's just getting a lot of love, and they're the team that everybody sees as, in college football, it's really hard to get an underdog like it is in college basketball at, like, plus 3,000, 4,000 to win the title. So it's really only teams that are, like, plus 800, plus 1,000. LSU's year that they won it with Burrow is probably one of the biggest underdogs that you'll get just because they were not valued. Nobody thought they would ever be that good. Um, But Georgia's kind of outside Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Bama. Everybody thinks that's the team that maybe you can get good value on. People, Some people think they're the best team, just head uh, head and toe. But I I like Clemson in this matchup. It's going to be a great game. Um, but again, just it's unbelievable. All the different people I've listened to break down this game, and it just seems like that the majority is on Georgia, even with all the injuries that they have. And maybe I'm just totally taking all the stock in what I saw from DJ Lee Longale against Notre Dame, but that was more than enough for me. Uh, you're playing in one of the most hostile environments in the country. I understand because of COVID, it wasn't packed, but it's still Notre Dame. It was on NBC, prime time. The whole world's watching. You're the number one team. You know how badly Notre Dame wanted to beat you. And to come in in that game after how you barely beat Boston College, you go on the road, you throw for over 400 yards. That just, it showed me a lot. This stage isn't going to, it's not going to scare them. And I think about two things. One, how the season ended for Clemson against Ohio State. I think that's going to play a big factor. But also the Dabo matchup against Kirby Smart matchup. And I think to the times when Kirby was back as Alabama's defensive coordinator and Dabo and Clemson with Deshaun Watson and that Bama defense that had Minka and Marlon and Jonathan Allen and Deshaun just lit them up. And now Georgia, who's, again, has got a very good defense, and Dabo's got another great quarterback. And I think with just the whole offseason to prepare. Because, Joe, another thing people aren't talking about, Clemson can really throw all their eggs into their basket for this game. They don't have to prep for Wake or NC State, right? Georgia, I mean, they got to get ready for whoever it is after this, A&M or Florida down the road. So this is Clemson's Super Bowl. I think they're going to treat it as such. And the success Dabo had in the past against Kirby Smart defenses, I think, would help them. And another thing, too, remember, this game is in Charlotte. Clemson plays the ACC title game in Charlotte every year. That sense of familiarity could also play a big factor. For all those reasons, I think it'll be a great game, but I think Clemson is going to win it. I'm not going to bet this game. I hate betting week zero or week one, and then week one in the NFL, just because I like to give it a week to see – all right, our impressions of Team A were this and that. What did they show? Okay, they showed that and this instead of this and that. Now I can readjust for week two. So I'm probably not going to bet this game. Uh, I do side with Georgia if I'm going to lean. And we touched on it a little bit last week. For me, I think it's just there's a reason there's some hype around Georgia. 
And I, I think JT Daniels, to the point that Ben was making, if that knee is fine, which we all have to presume it is until we see otherwise, uh, coming off of you know, the, the past injuries he's had, as long as he's fine, he very well may be one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. So would Uyunglele. Um, But overall, I like the matchup for Georgia, the way they match up against Clemson. Clemson will probably run the table after this. I think Georgia needs this game more because, yes, they're going to have the opportunity to go ahead and beat Obama maybe in the title game. Um, But Georgia has more opportunities, more landmines on the schedule where they can trip up. So, yes, it's Clemson's Super Bowl that could throw everything at this game. But I think Georgia, with all this same exact time to prepare, I think they realize that motivating factor. Hey, we have to win this game because with the likes of A&M and the rest of the teams on their schedule, it's a lot more likely that Georgia stumbles else somewhere along the line than it is likely that Clemson stumbles somewhere along the line. So that added motivating factor, like, hey, we, we can't afford to lose this. I mean, we go 0-1 to start off. I don't care who we're playing, whether it's Clemson, Notre Dame, whether you play uh, BYU of Hawaii, shout out to, to our boy Mick, <laughs> whoever you're playing in week one, um, you've got to win because there's so many opportunities to slip up the rest of the way if you're the Bulldogs. It's, it's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the argument of who the game is more important for, I agree with you that it's more important for Georgia because you win this game, you essentially get a freebie. Like Absolutely. You, you lose a game down the road and the committee this will be your- like, this is your get out of jail free card. You go right. ahead and lose this game. You win this game. You you can lose to Kentucky in November at the beginning 100%. of November because Correct. then you might have Bama again anyway in the title game. So you could right. you win this. You don't have to worry about anything until the SEC title game. That is correct. Um, so we'll see what happens. I can't wait. I really like Clemson just mostly because of how many people I have heard and know are on the Bulldogs. But we'll see how it plays out. Got more great games week one. The second game, Joe, personally, that I will be glued into, well, we know Bama and Miami and Maryland, West Virginia will be at the top of my list after Georgia Clemson. But after that, LSU, UCLA, cannot wait for this game. Um, Huge game for both teams. You could argue who it's bigger for. Personally, I I think UCLA needs this game, Joe. Have to be. They need it for with the, the Pac-12. With the perception around the Pac-12, it has to be UCLA. They need it for Chip more. Kelly. They just, you know, I mean, you're going into year four, and I don't think Chip will get this program to what Oregon was in their heyday. But you at least want to get some confidence. You want to get some momentum going for your program. And to beat one of the top three programs in the SEC, who they have top ten talent, will they finish in the top ten, is remain to be seen. But it's going to be a great game. I like LSU just because, again, you know, I always remember what James Franklin said when he was coaching the SEC and he goes to the Big Ten to coach Penn State. And he just says the difference between the SEC and every other league is the defensive lineman. It means more, PJ. It just means more. (laughs) They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. And you just can't replicate that in practice. And LSU, I think they're going to be fully motivated. Coach Orgeron, the one thing he is great at, he's great at recruiting and he's great at motivating. LSU, when they lost that game last year to Mississippi State, Joe, I mean, you have to think about They're coming off a national championship where they went undefeated, how tough their schedule was, how good they were. 
And then you lose to Mississippi State week one. You give up 45 points, and everything just derailed from there. I think they're focused. They're locked in. They go out to sunny California. They'll be ready to go. It's going to be a great game, but I like LSU uh, to win this game. I usually obviously always like the SEC team in a matchup like this as well, and I, I do here. But the one reservation I have, while and why, again, I will not bet this game this week, and I'll just kind of observe it and see what happens. Obviously, with all the stuff going on down in Louisiana after the hurricane, who's displaced and whatnot from LSU and worrying about their families down there. It's a lot that might be weighing on them going into this game. Um, and you, you hate to see that and, and hate to have that be a thing. Uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers to everybody in Louisiana and up through the Northeast who got just ravaged by the uh, remnants of Ida this week. But in yeah. the context of sports, because that's what we will talk about on this podcast, um, that's got a weigh on LSU in the same way that we'll talk about it possibly weighing on the Saints uh, when we get to next week in the NFL episode. So that's something to keep in mind. But at the end of the day, I'm just I'm not picking against an SEC team when it comes to playing a Pac-12 team just because of the track record. I mean, we, how many times have we thought, maybe, oh, maybe the Pac-12 is going to pull this one out. Maybe they're finally going to say, oh, we're back. We're, we're actually a power five now. We're not the afterthought. And then they come out and lose by like 30. So they looked good last week, USCLA. They played Hawaii. I was on Hawaii in that game. I thought that Hawaii had a chance with a look ahead for LSU. But um, UCLA impressed. But, uh, yeah, I, I staying away from it. I'd probably lean LSU, though. All right, we are in agreement there. Uh, some other games looking at the schedule. We got the one at noon, the big Fox noon kickoff, Penn State and Wisconsin. The spread keeps going up. Wisconsin opened early on in the offseason at like minus four. Now it's all the way up to five and a half. Some people think it's going to get to six or six and a half. Um, look, if I had to play the game, I'd take Wisconsin money line. Just mm. with these two Big Ten teams, I expect it to be defensive and low scoring and physical. Um, big year for both teams, though, Joe, right? I mean, Massive. a lot of expectations for both of these teams last season. COVID really derailed both of them. Graham Mertz had that unbelievable game week one against Illinois for Wisconsin. Then he got COVID and Wisconsin was never the same. Penn State, they lose that crazy game to Indiana. Was Michael Penix in or not? Who knows? It's your call. Um, but after that, I mean, they opened their season 0-5, and, and uh, they won their last three. So credit to them to get some momentum going into this season. It's just tough for me to bet against Wisconsin at home. Jim Leonard, that defense. Um, Sean Clifford, I'm just – I'm not a big fan of. I like his mobility and what he can do for you on the ground. But Wisconsin is just as sound as they come defensively. They won't get fooled. It's just a tough matchup for Penn State. Paul Chris will always have a good running back. He'll always have a good tight end. He'll always have an NFL receiver. And now he's got a capable quarterback. Um so I, I like the Badgers in this game. I wouldn't touch the spread. If I had to play it, I'd take Wisconsin money line, but I do like the Badgers. I do too. I mean, it's, again, uh, until Penn State proves otherwise, after what we saw from them last year, I can't trust them. And you know what you're going to get with Wisconsin. They're like Iowa. There's those couple of cookie-cutter Big Ten teams where every single year you know what you're going to get. Maybe like when the Badgers had Russell Wilson or – uh, like when Iowa had that one really good year with Ricky Stanzi, right? Maybe you're going to have that one year where the quarterback elevates you into the national conversation instead of just being, you know, kind of in the teens ranking wise and making the Rose Bowl, right? That's what we typically expect from teams like that. 
every now and then you're going to have that year where the quarterback elevates you. Could that be Mertz? We're going to find out. But we know what we're getting with Wisconsin. We don't know what we're getting with Penn State. I'm actually not afraid of the five and a half right now. If it gets to six or seven and it continues to move, I'd stay away. Um, but the, the movement that we've seen, uh, there's a reason why it's moving right now in Wisconsin's favor. Five and a half is still not a scary number. Six is when it starts to become a little scarier. So I, I would, for now, also trust Wisconsin. And we'll have more on that later because best bets are back. So oh, little tease, is, little tease. <laughs> Joe, we're going to play a little would you rather, all right? I'm going to give you a couple games, and you tell me which team you would feel more confident, all right? Okay. First couple games, would you be more confident in Virginia Tech pulling off the upset against North Carolina or Louisiana pulling off the upset at Texas? Uh, so on the four-year anniversary today of Maryland beating Texas on the road to open the season, I feel like I'm inclined to say Louisiana. And after what we talked about last week with Tim Murray, knowing what they are about this year and that they could really win the Sun Belt, be better than Coastal Carolina, be in the conversation as a top group five team. It's hard to not lean that way. Um, counterpoint, Virginia Tech, Friday night. They're gonna, we talked about it last week with Tim. It's going to be a great scene with the Enter Sandman as they make the walk down to the stadium. Lane Stadium, uh, yep. UNC for me is a little bit overrated. Um, the fact that that game is only a six-and-a-half-point spread and you're being dared to take UNC, thinking they win by a touchdown, that is intriguing. Um, but the better team, I think, to pull off the outright upset is the team that is the better team which is Louisiana. And I, I would have to, if I'm would you rathering this, I'd have to go with Louisiana, but I like both. I do like both. I'm with you on all fronts. I like both underdogs. I like Louisiana a little bit more. My thoughts on Texas, Louisiana, Joe, I think if you're betting this game, I'd take Texas with the spread or I take Louisiana money line. I don't think there's mm -hmm. going to be any in between. I don't think Louisiana covers if they lose. I think they just went outright. I'd or still Texas probably win. take Louisiana because this game wouldn't stun me if it went to overtime. And in that case, at an 8.5 spread, you're going to get the cover. Because the overtime is not out of the equation here. It's not. Uh, but I just think it's one of those games where it's two ranked teams. It's a spread over a touchdown. It opened at 10. It's dropped to 8. Louisiana, just you know they're going to be that trendy underdog pick because people love to bet against Texas. It's Sark's first game. They're going to have two new quarterbacks in. Louisiana's got all these returning players. Um, but for me, that's either a Texas spread or a Louisiana money line. On the other end, Carolina-Virginia Tech, the only thing about this game, if this was a November game on a Thursday, I'd yeah. love Virginia Tech. Because it's week one to open the season, I, I tend to lean towards North Carolina. I'm not betting the game. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But I do like the Tar Heels to win. Just week one, it's tough to pull that kind of upset. Um, just coming into the offseason, North Carolina is going to be focused. At Virginia Tech, because of that crowd and the energy, it could be ugly. They could get some turnovers early on. But North Carolina is just too talented, and I think eventually they'll wear them down. But uh, both definitely upset potential and could be some good games. All right, Joe, some other games for you. Let's see. If you had to play a side, would you take Miami plus 19 and a half against Alabama, or would you take Minnesota plus 14 against Ohio State? 
Ooh. So as you were saying that, I was waiting to see what the second game would be <laughs> because you, you know the track record of Alabama the first week of the season. They yep. just blow teams out. Um, on the flip side of that, Ohio State recently off the top of my head has struggled week one. They've been in tighter games than they should have been in. I um, actually believe they have the longest winning streak in college football opening week, but they right, play all their streak. big games week two. They play they their big game play, week two. Right, yeah, they don't yeah. play big teams right, week one. Right. This game against Minnesota is probably off the top of my head one of the biggest teams they played in week one. And Minnesota's not that big of a team. Yeah, they get Indiana um, week one. They get those yeah. kind of teams. Same yeah, thing for Purdue. So Minnesota is going to slow this game down to a crawl. And if Ohio State struggles with a new quarterback and getting into it, uh, it wouldn't stun me if Minnesota covered. But at the same token, it's just with that game and also the look ahead to Oregon next week for Ohio State. Problem is if that game gets away from Minnesota, I don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up. So if they have an offensive miscue that turns into a defensive touchdown for Ohio State or if Ohio State – returns a kick for a touchdown or like if they do any of the other things that give them a bonus possession or a bonus score, Ohio state, I can't see Minnesota making up the ground. Um, so for that reason, I'm not high on Miami. I'm down here in the area. There's U- fans of the U all around that are excited about this. It's in Atlanta. Alabama's very used to Alabama East, Atlanta. Joe. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's Alabama's secondary address. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's less than three touchdowns to spread. I would have to side with Alabama. Uh, I'm with you. If I had to play a side, I'd take the tide. Um, I cannot DJ, wait. wait you would take Alabama? I would. But would you see, really? You no, know, I'd tell you if they were going to lose. <laughs> no, I know. Especially when it comes to a spread. Like you said, week one, Deer King's coming off an injury. I mean, is there a team you'd rather play least coming off a leg injury right. than Bama? It's just a tough matchup for them. Um, and then in the other game, that Ohio State-Minnesota line, it wasn't 14. It's now at 13 and a half and wow. all the money is in Ohio state. So now Vegas is daring you to take the two touchdowns. That game could get interesting tonight. I'm with you, Joe, a lot. Uh, why I would take Minnesota uh, instead of Miami too, is just the contrast of styles. Minnesota wants nine minute drives, 15 plays, three seconds left in the uh, game clock where they want to run it and snap it to Ibrahim. Ohio State, they obviously want to go up tempo and they want to score 50 points a game. If Minnesota can control the ball, keep that Ohio State offense on the sideline, not only are you giving them less opportunities to score, but when Ohio State does get on the field, they might feel a little pressured. Like, our defense isn't getting them off the field. We've got to score every time we get the ball. It could get interesting. On the flip side, Miami wants to go up tempo. They want to try and wear you down and get as many points as they can. Well, when you're playing Bama's defense, I mean, you're going to have some three and outs, and it's going to make it tricky on your defense. They're just Bama, all the running backs they're going to substitute in, and the receivers and the O-line is just going to overpower you. It's just it's tough for Miami. So I would agree, and I would lean towards Minnesota. Um, Let's see, Joe. One more game I wanted to talk about um, before we get into just a little bit of baseball. Um is the game tonight again as we record this on Thursday? Boise State UCF. I think big one, a very fun, game. massive game. Um, you got two new head coaches. Gus Malzahn comes from Auburn to UCF, which underratedly I thought was one of the best hires all off season for any team. Love that hire for UCF. 
Boise State, they go get Andy Avalos, who was the defensive coordinator at Oregon. The thing I love, though, about this game is that both quarterbacks are upperclassmen. They're two of the best power five quarterbacks. Dylan Gabriel for UCF, Hank Brockmeyer for Boise State. Boise's got to travel all the way to the East Coast, Joe. It's a long flight. UCF, the spread was at five. It's now up to six. Who knows if it'll get to six and a half or even seven as we near kickoff at 7 p.m. Do you like Boise to cover? Do you even think they could pull the upset? So these are two teams that I'm really intrigued to see tonight as a, as a tone setter for my perception of them. Outside of the couple of names you mentioned, I don't know a lot about either team, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's one of, you know, we know what's in the pipeline for Bama. We know what's in the pipeline for Georgia and Clemson. We talked about those teams earlier on. I didn't really know what was in the pipeline for these teams and with the coaching changes. Um, and last year, of course, with like the quirky schedule where I didn't really see Boise State much and I didn't really see UCF much. So to be honest, I don't know what's in the pipeline. And I'm excited to see it tonight because tonight I'm going to learn a lot about both of those teams. Um, based on the situation, though, coming west to east, going up against a team that sh- I think on paper, from what I've read, from what I've heard, should be the better of the two sides in UCF. I'd have to lean UCF's way. Uh, but really, uh, no strong inclination one way or the other. Tonight is the night where I'm – and that's to the point I made earlier why week two is when I really start kind of uh, – you know, really getting into the bets and my perception of some of these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know a lot about these two teams. Tonight is the night that I find out. I'll have to lean UCF for now and t- take the order for on most of the things. All right, Joe. Well, uh, look, I'm just happy it's back. I can't wait. <laughs> It'll be fun flipping between the Ohio State game tonight and the Boise State game. We get Caroline Virginia Tech on Friday. We get that full state slate on Saturday. I wish the games on Sunday and Monday were a little better. For college football, I mean, that's your only time of the year where you get all by yourself Sunday, all by yourself Monday. They should take advantage of that. Ole Miss is going to put up a lot of points. Notre Dame, obviously one of the biggest brands in the sport. But uh, who knows? Maybe Louisville and Florida State could make those games interesting. All right, Joe, before we get into best bets and some trivia, just a little baseball talk. Again, we're into September, so... The regular season in baseball is winding down. The playoff picture is becoming more clear and clear. And wouldn't you know it, just as I was about to say, the Dodgers are never going to catch the Giants because we come on this pod every week and we're like, the Dodgers are going to catch them. I said they were catching them last the week. The Dodgers are going to catch say them. It. I said last week the Dodgers were catching them. And here we go. Finally, the Giants <laughs> have lost four straight. The, jo- the Dodgers have won three straight. They play a three-game series this weekend. The Dodgers are a game or a half game up on the Giants. My question to you, by Monday, will the Dodgers be leading the NL West? I do not think there will be another day on the calendar in this season in which the Dodgers are not in first place. Wow. Uh, I said it last week. They were going to catch them. Um, Just – it's, it's that kind of thing where we talk about with some of the great teams, especially a reigning champion like that. You got to make sure you don't get bored or complacent throughout the summer. That's always the toughest part. You get to the end of August, the finish line, October, it's in sight. You take your game up a notch. Were the Giants going to be able to do that? They should be, but to the level of the Dodgers, I don't think so to the level of the Dodgers. So that's for that reason is why I thought they would catch them, L.A., They did catch him, and I don't think they let it go now. And Mookie Betts, hopefully healthy, back permanently now. Max Scherzer pitching the way he's pitching. Uh, It's hard to 
really find a reason to, to go ahead and pick the, um, the Giants to retake the lead from the Dodgers at this point. You'd have to really dig, I think, to, to figure out a why. And Disclafani hasn't pitched lately the way he was earlier in the season. Uh, the bats for the Giants haven't quite been what they were earlier in the summer. Talk about peaking at the right time and when you hit those valleys. Right now, the Dodgers are on the upswing, and they already passed the Giants while on this upswing. And the Giants are on a bit of a downswing. So it could bode well for the Giants because – you know, eventually uh, the Dodgers, the, yeah, you get out, you know, eventually the Dodgers probably level off. You know that the Giants are going to hit that upswing again. It's a matter of hitting at the right time. Um, but the problem is with the playoff format and with the situation, having that switch here at the end, it means the Giants now are going to have to play that wild card game against potentially the Padres or anybody else, really. Uh, that door has been cracked wide open now because mm-hmm. the Padres have collapsed in a way that a lot of us didn't expect they were going to. We had that kind of locked up three, four weeks ago where it was, okay, in the Central and in the East, you better win the division because you got no shot at the wild card. Now, not so much. It's only a couple of games. The Padres are up, but you still want to avoid that game at all costs. Well, so, they're, not, they're not even up right now. Cincinnati is a half game right. up on them. They've right, that's right. I forgot about that. But uh, like you said, Philly is just two games behind the Padres. The Cardinals are two games behind the Padres. And then the Mets are five games back. And then the NL East has gotten interesting, too. Braves, now Ozzy Albies is hurt. Uh, the Braves just, I mean, look, they've gave, given up a the great Mets have nine fight. lives, PJ. <laughs> they really the Mets do. Mets have nine lives. Phillies have won I mean, five straight. Mets have won three straight. And uh, both of them are not done by any stretch. The Mets are in a stretch right now, and I mentioned this last week, of playing 14 consecutive games against the Nationals and the Marlins. The Mets took two or three against the Nets. The Mets have taken two so far from the Marlins, and they still have a long way to go playing just those two teams over the next couple of weeks. Flip side of that, the Braves had a couple against the Yankees. The Braves then play the Dodgers. Now they have a little bit of a respite against the Rockies, but then it's more of the Dodgers and the Giants for the Braves who have the stretch of the schedule that the Mets just dealt with playing the Giants and the Dodgers for 13 straight. So now all of a sudden it's only five games again between the Braves and the Mets. Easy schedule for the Mets, tough schedule for the Braves. Throw the Phillies in there, too, of course, with the way they're playing. And the way it seemed like the Braves were going to start running away with it, not by any means anymore, especially with the injuries now to Albies. Um, and, to, you know, the, the fan graphs playoff percentage, this is the time of year where it starts fluctuating and going bonkers. Uh, before the Mets swept that quasi-doubleheader against the Marlins the other day, which wasn't really a doubleheader because the first game was a suspended game from April 11th, um, before that, 2% was a fan graph chance for the Mets. At the end of the day, it went all the way up to 18. So we're at that juncture of the season where things are going to start changing in a big way pretty often. And the whole thing with the thumbs down of the fans and, and everything with the Mets, like you could not have scripted it better for bias and then score the winning run and the fans to go bonkers. Gary Cohen is the best in baseball on play-by-play. He's really good. Uh, and, and what he did, it was a great call. Like, Everything about it. it, it's one of those moments that you could point to in a season and say, is, is that going to turn things around? Like, could that be the spark they needed? And they haven't lost since. They've got three wins, and they have an easy schedule coming up. So uh, all you got to do is be within three because the last three games of the season are Mets and the Braves. So we'll see. There you go. Um, and then in the AL, it's a lot less interesting. Ah. We, we kind of know all the division races. Oakland's five back of Houston, but I don't think they're going to catch them. Chicago's going to win the Central. Tampa's going to win the East. 
it's really the wild card, which has gotten interesting. The Yankees were just so hot in August. They've cooled off just a bit. The Red Sox have been fading fast. Oakland has been on the decline as well. Seattle's still hanging on by a pulse. Um, I think this comes down to Boston and Oakland, though, for the last wild card spot. Joe, as of now, who do you think gets that final wild card spot? Oakland Yankees seems like it's the destiny now. And whether it's Oakland Yankees or or Yankees twins, I feel like we keep getting the same wild card matchups every year. But <laughs> God, how, how it is. Here's a question for you. If it was Dodgers, Padres, NL wild card, Yankees, Red Sox, AL wild card, oh. which would get more viewership? Oh, Yankees, Red Sox. But that, I mean, that's, that's incredible if we have a day of that. <laughs> Yeah, Yankees, Red Sox, probably. Yeah, they would. But, I mean, Padres, Giants would be the better game. The TV, be unbelievable. The, all the people at the TV networks are certainly sitting back rooting for that. You know that. Oh, I wonder, I wonder which game TBS gets this year and which game ESPN. I'm trying to remember. Oh, well, last year was so different because they had the yeah. Super. So we'll have yeah, to I have see. no idea. But I just thought about that right now, how we have a chance to get both of those games, the two wild cards. And that, that's like when the Australian Open was uh, Venus, Serena, and Federer Nadal that one year. I mean, yeah. it would just be like, if we could somehow get these <laughs> as the wild card games, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that, there's no combination that would be better than that. Um, I mean, the other combinations are possibly like Giants, Reds, uh, A's, Yankees, A's, Red Sox. Yeah, none of those. No. There's a big difference between <laughs> Padres, Dodgers, yeah. Yankees, Red Sox, and the other stuff. So we know what the network execs are rooting for. Yeah, absolutely are. Joe, look, I'm excited. It's been a long, long time, but my favorite segment of Glass of Joe is finally back. It is back. back. It is back. We got best bets. And we're doing things a little different this season. So you won last season. Kudos to you. Still owe me Waffle House while you're wearing Jets gear. We're, we're getting to the point where I'll be home for the offseason. We'll find a day for that, and the pictures will be on social media. Looking forward to it. Um, so we're going to keep the records the same. Everybody knows we each get five picks. If you go three and two on the week, then that's your record. It keeps carrying over. But what we're going to do differently this time around to kind of make the picks count, because if it's your number one pick or your number two pick, that's your most confident. All five picks shouldn't be equal. So the way it'll work is your number one pick will be worth five points. Your number two pick will be worth four. Your three pick will be worth three. The four pick will be worth two points. And the five pick will be worth one point. And uh, money line, if you want to pick a money line favorite, it has to be three and a half or under. And if you want to take a money line dog of three and a half or over, then you will get an extra point. All right. Love it. Towards your, towards your stuff. So Joe, love it. Now the one thing we have to figure out, the one thing we do have to figure out is if we want to do two separate, uh, we have to first figure out what exactly the stipulations are going to be this year. Last year it was, of course, like I just said, loser owes the winner Waffle House while wearing either Jets or Ravens gear, depending on who lost. Should we, We'll have to figure out the stipulations. We could we could talk about that over the next week because next week, of course, we'll have our first full week with NFL and college. But we'll also have to think about whether we want to have two separate stipulations, one for the record and one for the points. I think that definitely makes sense. 
make a lot more. Because I think both, I think both have value. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. picking games correct is obviously right. that's the name of the game. But if you're getting your number one and number two picks right every week, that's the one you're spending the most money on. I think you should get rewarded for that. Right, right. So All right. I think both we'll discuss. But Joe, you lead us off. Uh, we'll start bottom the to top. So my fifth most confident, my one pointer. Um, it's really tough to prepare for uh, a triple option at any time and to do it week one on the road while you've just had training camp of trying to figure out yourself. And now all of a sudden you got to flip a switch and say, Oh, I got to figure out a triple option. Uh, I don't like Marshall's chances against Navy. Navy's actually a dog. Uh, so Navy plus one one fifteen at home on the money line. That's a pick for you. Tim Murray. Uh, I, I'm not picking Notre Dame, so I'll pick his Navy team. Uh, <laughs> but it's look, it's, it's something that, if it's week eight, it's still tough to prepare for the triple option, but you don't have to figure it out yourself anymore. It's week eight. You know who you are, but you've spent all of training camp trying to figure out who you are all of a sudden now, while you're still not sure who you are, you're still going to have your own miscues in week one. You got to deal with a triple option. Don't like Marshall's chances. Do like Marshall on the season as a, as a team that is going to do well, make a bowl game, maybe win a bowl game, but give me Navy money line to start things off. Yeah, I like where your head's at, thinking, facing the triple option coming out of the offseason. Marshall had one of the best defenses, though, in the country last year. They're just well-coached, fundamental. Navy, obviously, their season last year, I remember when they played BYU to open the year, and Kenny Matalolo talked about how they weren't even hitting anybody while they were preparing for the game because of COVID. So you can't really look into Navy much last year. It'll be a great game. I'm not touching it. I'll be rooting for Navy. Um, but that is definitely a coin flip game. My number five, it's something we've already talked about. Since I've been going to school there, it's tradition, and it's it every <laughs> all five years, so I'm rolling with it again. Bama to open the season, minus 19.5 for Miami. I also like the first half under. I think Saban's going to lean on his defense and – New offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien, new quarterback in Bryce Young. It's going to be a feeling-out process. They're not going to try. They don't want to lose the game with Bryce, even though they trust him. You lean on that defense. De'Eric King, I'm interested to see Manny Diaz and his game plan. Does Miami just come out slinging it and go for it? Or do they try and not lose the game, hang around, try and get it to the second half or fourth quarter? Either way, Bama just rolls, just they'll wear you down. I can easily see this thing being like a 41-10, something like that. 19 and a half, the fact that you can still win by three touchdowns and get it, I think it's pretty good value, so I like the tide. I'm going to give you two picks right here because we've talked about both these games already, so I'll just hit you with a quick one-two. My number four, so my two-pointer, Louisiana plus eight and a half against Texas for the reasons we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. like Louisiana as a team. Uh, don't trust Texas yet. Uh, that game, I think Louisiana could win outright. Definitely think they keep it within a touchdown. And then the other one, same thing. You, you pose it to me in that would you rather. Uh, number three for three points, Virginia Tech plus six and a half against wow. UNC. For the same reasons, again, they're daring you to take UNC by having it just below a touchdown at home Friday night. Crowd should be raucous. Play that enter sand, man. Let's have some fun. Uh, give me Virginia Tech. I don't know if they'll win outright, but uh, I'm more confident, I'll say, in Louisiana winning outright as a money line dog than Virginia Tech. But I'm more confident in the fact that Virginia Tech won't get blown out than I'm in the fact that Louisiana won't get blown out. So like you said earlier, where you could see it either as a Texas blowout or Louisiana win, 
there is some credence to that, but I don't see any way Virginia Tech gets blown out. I think it's close the whole way. That makes sense. Um, my number four, I've never done this. I've never bet Bama and Maryland in the same week. But, Joe, I like the Terps. You as well as I know. Maryland week four, five, and six, it's not pretty. Maryland week <laughs> one and two is pretty. They beat Texas back-to-back years opening week. They dismantled Syracuse a couple of years ago. I don't know what it is about Maryland. But just to open the season. Last year they got walloped. 42 to three, but there were other mitigating circumstances in COVID because they followed that up, that loss against Northwestern last year with two wins, Penn State and Minnesota. So that was a one-off against Northwestern. So to your point, yeah, early season. And the Minnesota was at home. Penn State was on the road. I still can't believe they won that game. That was just one of the shockers of the year. But the Terps at home early in the season, the Terps have NFL guys at skill positions. Ty Lue is the best quarterback they've had in a long, long time. Let's hopefully Loxley's got the defense right. Love the recruits he's brought in. You just got to develop them. Um, and West Virginia, I, I still think they're kind of a year, maybe two away. It's interesting, Big 12 teams, nobody realized that they can hang athletically with Oklahoma. So you see the trend of Iowa State and Kansas State and Texas Tech and West Virginia bringing in defensive-minded head coaches that want to run the ball, chew up clock, that's kind of the way Big Ten teams are going to try and beat Oklahoma. Kansas State knocked them off a couple years ago. Iowa State has hung with them. Baylor with Matt Rule was right there with them. So uh, I just think it's a good matchup for the Terps. I think it'll be a great environment. You as well as I know there are a lot of West Virginia alumni around the area. Should be a fun game. But especially the fact that the Terps are plus three, I argue that they could be favored in the game. But plus three, they could lose by a field goal. And uh, you, you can still push. I think it's good value. I like the Terps. All right. Number two for me, sticking in the Big Ten. Like I said earlier in the season, um, this is when I would like to stick what I know most, and that's the Big Ten. I like to give it a couple of weeks before I start branching out too, too much. Uh, although in saying that, my first three picks were non-Big Ten games, but I just happened to like the situation for all three of those. Uh, but my, big, my big four-pointer here, Iowa minus three and a half against Indiana. I think Indiana fans, <laughs> to the point that Ben made earlier, um, <laughs> IU fans don't really know how to act right now is kind of the word he used because of the hype around the team. And I think that is caught on among casual fans where people are like, oh, my God, Indiana, like, let's go. Like, they've never had a team like this. Let's see what they can do. But they're going to get smacked in the mouth at Kinnick against Iowa, a team that's going to come out, possess the ball, uh, not really give Indiana too many possessions, really good defensive assignment football. Uh, they probably are going to have time of possession somewhere in the neighborhood of ah, like 30-something, 40 minutes you watch Iowa in that game. That's just how they play it. The game is screaming something like 22 to 13. Uh, so give me Iowa minus the three and a half over Indiana. I'm just pleased Iowa win so we can get Hawk game next week against <laughs> Iowa State. I just want both those teams 1-0. My next two games are kind of the same theme. I'm going with home underdogs. Uh, Actually, excuse me, one of them is on the road, but they're an underdog too. My number three game is Texas State plus 14 against Baylor. Texas State somehow managed to get Baylor to come play them. And I just think whenever you get an in-state school like this, when you get the little guy going up against the big guy, 
early in the season. Baylor doesn't give a crap about Texas. And that State. goes for any sport. That's why I picked Abilene over Texas. That's what I'm saying. Always. I, just, I love the spot for Texas State. They're, everybody's on Baylor. Everybody. The spread's at 14. It's kind of a lot like Minnesota and Ohio State. The spread's gone back and forth between 13 and a half and 14. But I like Texas State. I don't think they're necessarily going to win. But Baylor's offense is nothing special. I don't think they're going to hang 40 or 50 on Texas State. So I think Baylor could maybe put up high 20s, maybe low 30s. As long as Texas State gives me like 20 points, I think they can cover for sure. And then my number two game, UTSA against Illinois. I love the spot for UTSA. Illinois, they had the whole country watching them last week. They had a nice win over Nebraska. Brett Bielma comes in in his first game. Everybody's feeling good about themselves. And now you got little old UTSA coming into Champaign. They don't care about them. Spread started at six and a half. They were daring you to take the touchdown with Illinois. Now it's down to five and a half. Uh, UTSA returns 95% of their production from last year. They were a 10-win team. They're a really solid team. And anytime you get a really good Power 5 team going up against a not-so-good Power 5 team, especially with the spot Illinois is in coming off that Fox game against Nebraska, I like UTSA to uh, win outright, honestly, but take the five and a half. All right, number one. You know what I'm going with. <laughs> Maryland Moneyline against Come West on, Virginia. Baby, let's let's ride. go for five points, baby. <laughs> That's, you know, for, the, for all the things you said, um, I was stunned to see Maryland's a dog first and foremost. Um, our track record first couple of weeks is stellar, and that's been regardless of who the yes, coach is. Yes, it really it was, is. Whether it was Loxley, whether it was Canada, all, whether it yep. was the disgraced DJ Durkin, whether it was uh, even before that, all the coaches, well, forget about he. We don't talk, we don't talk Randy Etzel. He was now at UConn, <laughs> and UConn might lose to Holy Cross this week. Um, <laughs> they might. You know, but uh, BYU, uh, Hawaii going to beat them too? Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, but the, the offense should be really, really fun to watch for Maryland this year. Um, it's a school in the Big Ten that obviously doesn't get the attention, and all they do is continue to pop out some really solid NFL talent come the draft every year. On offense, you got Talia Tungavaloa at quarterback. You have Chiga Conquo, who's going to be a really strong tight end that they have a great bond, those two. Hayon Fleet Davis is going to surprise a lot of people at running back. He was kind of in that crowded backfield of Javon Leak and Anthony McFarlane, who have got onto the NFL. He was kind of the forgotten man. And Jake Funk, Funk also, <laughs> who is now onto the NFL and made right. the Rams roster. So you don't hear about Fleet Davis, but he is a bowling ball back there, and he is really good going to show what he's great got. He last was on the preseason. too especially for a running yeah, back yeah. oh fleet davis yeah fantastic. He, he was on the preseason watch every every running back preseason watch list he was on it but people probably scratching their heads at who he is right at receiver rakeem jarrett oh Dante stud. Demas. stud i mean it's it's jay sean jones coming back from injury like there's so Talk much to me, talent Joe. come the on offense, man the offense is going to be really good. Joe, you should have written in an l next to the <laughs> m on your polo i want to see money line <laughs> <laughs> there you go and then i mean you could even go through the defense ruben hippolyte at linebacker is going to be someone uh, as a sophomore that is very impressive that's a guy who is a first or second round nfl talent when the time comes um i'm not going to go down the whole list because i could sit here all day nick cross at safety on defense um it's there's plenty of talent the terps could w- i think the terps are safely in a bowl game this year um 
eight wins is not out of the question if Talia reaches his stays potential yeah. and, and the team stays healthy. They'll probably fall between somewhere between six and eight. And again, I love the spot opening week. I don't think highly of West Virginia at all. Uh, I was, again, stunned that Maryland was a dog, so I'm going to ride with it. Give me Maryland plus 125 and for five points to, to kick things off. Joe, I, would, as, I feel like if you don't know Maryland and you kind of just overlook this game and just feel like West Virginia should be favored, but if you watch the Terps and you know their track record opening week, you're like, this is the right play. Like, even if Maryland loses, I won't be mad. I'm like, I'll make that play a hundred times. We all know that Take Me Home Country Roads is actually about a road in Maryland, not about West Virginia. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) That's true. My number one, it's the marquee game of the week, but I love them. Clemson minus three against Georgia. If I hear one more person tell me how much they love Georgia, that they're going to win the national title, that they're going to beat Clemson. I mean, I just, I don't get it. They're good, man. But like, so is Clemson. I I think, I think Clemson's going to win the national title this year. Um, Mm. I think, I think they're, they're that good. DJ Uilangalele, look. Deshaun Watson, to me, I'd take him over Trevor Lawrence. It's close. I know you'd rather have Lawrence, but Deshaun was sensational. I think DJ has the skill set to be the best one. Wow. His arm is absurd. If he can just, you know, he's got – everybody wants to compare these guys, Trey Lance and all these guys with big hoses, to Josh Allen with just cannon arms. But DJ really is Allen. I mean, he just has such a cannon – Um, If he can put it all together this year, he's going to be unstoppable. Remember that Justin Ross comes back for Clemson, Mm. who was out last year. He's one of the best receivers in the country. They're going to have one of the best D lines again. And uh, the continuity that Clemson has every year, the fact that Will Venables is still there every year for Dabo Sweeney. They've been through so much together. They live for these kinds of games. And, uh, I mean, the fact that you're getting Clemson at the key number of three, if it was three and a half, I'm taking a money line. But the fact you're getting it at three, I think it's good value, and I like Clemson. Joe, the one thing we really haven't talked about yet is our playoff before we I was end. just going to say, before we've we asked get all trivia, our guests, we got to do it. Playoff, we've asked Heisman. So give me real quick your playoff, your national title, and your Heisman. Okay, so for the playoff um, – I hate the fact that it's still four teams. We're hopefully getting to a point where it's not because we keep getting the same teams and I hate to do it, but it's probably going to be the same teams. Uh, I'm not taking Alabama out of it. I think Alabama wins every game on their schedule this season, except the SEC title game against Georgia, but that is still enough to get them in with that point in mind. I think Georgia wins all but one game on their schedule, whether that is Clemson, this week or whether that is one slip up in the middle of the season i'm not sure but they will go on to beat bama in the sec title game so i have it as another double sec season with bama and georgia getting in um clemson will get in because they will not lose a single game aside from possibly georgia the question is what seed will they be that will depend on whether or not they do beat georgia so it's very very chalky with those three um i don't love ohio state I think there are possible possibilities for them to slip up in the conference this year. The Oregon game next week is trickier than I think people realize it is. Um, And with the new quarterback, they could be really good or they could have a slip up or two. So I'm not as confident in them as a lot of people are. I don't see losses for Oklahoma. I just don't. Um, So if Oklahoma goes ahead and does what I think they can do, give me Oklahoma four, give me, 
I'm going to have to go Georgia one because I Oklahoma I would probably they, be one if they don't lose. If you have Georgia slipping up and Bama slipping up and Clemson slipping oh, yeah. up, Oklahoma yeah. would probably be your one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, who do you think Oklahoma's going to lose to? Who could you say? I, I didn't, mean, no, they're in my playoff too. I don't, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. So, I don't think all right, so I guess, I guess with that in mind, it would have to be Oklahoma one. Right. Two um, probably because think, Georgia because they beat Bama and Clemson. Well, I was just going to say, in, in my little world here, I have Georgia beating Clemson and Bama with one slip up, so they got to be two. Right. I have Bama losing to only Georgia, but the committee I don't think would make them play back-to-back Correct. Weeks. They'd so be that four. probably slides Bama to four and Clemson at three. So with that in mind, Bama as the four beats Oklahoma as the one. Clemson revenge for early season beats Georgia, who is the two. And then Clemson against Alabama, I can go with Clemson win the national title. Okay. Um, my playoff, and I really don't like going chalk, but I just, for all the you reasons. Have to. You have to. We've seen it for how, how many years now. You have to go I, chalk I know. for the playoff. I know. You have know. to. There's it usually just like one team. There's Only like one. one team, though. Only like one. Notre Dame last year. Like there's, a no, there's a Notre Dame, a Michigan State, a Washington, and Oklahoma every right. year. Right. And this year, I just happen to think it's Oklahoma. So that's the one team that you have to find out. Um, like you said, Oklahoma, they don't play anybody in the non-conference. They get Tulane, so they're not going to slip up. Texas isn't good enough to beat them. You know, maybe Iowa State gets them, but I just there's so much hype around Iowa State that it's almost getting too overblown. And I think it's going to be Oklahoma. Bama, um, I think they're going to run the table in the regular season. The SEC championship game against Georgia will be really, really interesting. I, they they definitely could lose that game. Um, but for these purposes, I'll say that they win. I think Clemson gets in. And I'm surprised you're so down on Ohio State. The quarterback issue to me, because of Ryan Day, I really don't think is that big of an issue. They have the two best receivers in the country. They have four or five other guys that are going to be in the NFL at receiver. They got a great tight end. They're going to have good I, running backs. I just backs. think the way it D-line. sets up in the conference, I think there are losses for them to, to possibly have. I, Not multiple necessarily, but there are multiple chances for them to lose in the conference. So that's, I mean, there, I there are chances, but I just their think Their schedule, I think, is so tougher than like an Oklahoma's. Better. Yeah. They're, but they're, I mean, they're just so much better in every team um that you know the way that you're gonna have to beat them is kind of how northwestern played them in the big 10 championship game last year you need a great defense you need to turn them over you need to hold them in the red zone to field goals but the only problem was northwestern didn't have a dynamic offense so that's my problem with the big 10 iowa wisconsin great defenses they don't have the dynamic offenses um you know, that's the problem with the Big Ten is these teams that have great defenses, they just don't have the offenses to hang with Ohio State. So that's my four, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Um, let's say Bama goes undefeated, so I think they're at one. Clemson, I think, goes undefeated. They're at two. Oklahoma goes undefeated. I think they're at three. See, but again, I know this won't happen. So Bama will probably lose to Georgia in the SEC title game. Um and then Ohio State, I mean, yeah, there's no way all four of them go undefeated. But that's my playoff. Um, and I think Clemson wins it, uh, just like you. I think um, their D-line is the best it's been since they had Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins and Farrell and all those guys. DJ, I love him. The receivers. Um, 
I just, I think, again, motivation. We saw what Ohio State's loss to Clemson, what that did for them last year. I think Clemson losing to Ohio, Ohio State, what's that, what that's going to do for them this year is going to propel them to a title. And I think uh, Dabo wins his third national championship. All right. So, yeah, like I said, I, I think I like Clemson to, to win it all. I just don't like them this week against Georgia. That was the point yeah, that I was it's saying just, earlier. It's tough so. to pick the playoff because, like, in my head, I think that Bama, they'll, they'll probably lose to Georgia in the SEC title game. But then I don't know who you would knock out because I don't see Oklahoma or Ohio State or Clemson losing it all during the entire season. So, we'll see what yeah, happens. It's tough. Uh, I will say that I can't go out on a limb either uh, for the Heisman because if I have yeah. Oklahoma going undefeated, then I have to have Spencer Rattler win. I agree. I agree. Um, you look at the track record out there with – Lincoln Riley with Baker Mayfield, with Kyler Murray, with Jalen Hurts, two Heisman trophies there. Um, Jalen Hurts could have possibly been a third, didn't quite have the season we thought he was going to have. Um, who won it that year? Who did he lose to? The year Hurts? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't two. It was Kyler Murray. Uh, no, not Kyler. No, they were at the same school. <laughs> um, oh, it was, uh, it was Joe Burrow. The, um he lost out to Joe Burrow. So uh, he, there was a real chance that he could have had three consecutive Heisman Trophy winners. And now Rattler on a team that I think, like I said, is going undefeated. I, I can't not pick him to win the Heisman. So it's easy for me there. Yeah. Uh, all right. That takes us into trivia where we are tied. It's been a little while, right? We're tied. We are tied. 23. We're tied. All right. All right. Uh-huh. I can give you uh, your question first. Okay. Go for it. This is a good one. Um, so I did some research and I was interested how many times because Clemson, Georgia is just such a fun matchup week one. So I look back since 2010 to see how many top 10 matchups we've had in college football week one. So instead of you giving me, there have been five games that have featured nine different teams. So instead of giving me the games, I want you to give me the teams. So of the nine teams can you give me six of them that were featured in a top 10 matchup in week one of the last decade okay go ahead um florida state correct alabama correct they played each other in 2017 Um, bama was the team that has done it twice okay um ohio state and oklahoma were they week one at one point they were week two and okay. neither of them oh, oh, really? were in a top 10 game. So you got two strikes. Okay. Wow. I know. Um, and see, that's the thing I should have known. Like we were talking about earlier, Ohio State always schedules their big game for week two. Uh, top 10, last decade, right out the shoot. Uh, Wisconsin. Not Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. Wasn't it LSU Wisconsin one year? It was LSU. It was, but Wisconsin was not a top ten team. Ah, all right. Yeah. Well, struck out quicker than I thought it was going LSU to. LSU <laughs> was one of the teams. So I, I, I thought you'd get Bama, Florida State. I thought you'd maybe get Auburn and Washington, which was a game like oh, three yeah. years ago. That was number six Washington versus number nine Auburn. Another one I thought you'd maybe get. Georgia and Clemson had a top 10 matchup in 2013. I don't know if you'd maybe hear that from previous uh, matchups, 
but they were top 10. You had Michigan played Bama in 2012. Michigan was nine. Bama was two. And then in 2011, you had Oregon versus LSU, number three versus number four. All right. PJ, I don't know. I think I might fall behind for the first time because I think you're going to get your question. I like it, but I think you're going to get it. Right. Um, it's been a long time since I've fallen behind in trivia. This is not going to sit well with me for the next week. Um, give me the last five teams that Bama has beaten on opening day as part of this long streak they have. Oh, wow. Okay. The last five teams Bama's beaten on opening day. So mm-hmm. last year they beat Missouri. Correct. The year before that, they beat uh well usc's in there usc started it back in 2016 so you got the bookends here you need the middle three uh duke correct um wisconsin incorrect strike oh wisconsin was before usc okay oh florida state the one we just mentioned yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and uh oh louisville there you go I think you did get it, but I like to, to, to go with the theme. Yeah, so no, it's give you a little softball couple there. ACC teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give you a little softball there. So we get to – all right, next week, I got to come from behind for the first time in a while on trivia. Uh, you know, like I'm that. just so happy best bets are back. God yeah. bless them. Yeah. I miss yeah. them. It's going to be fun. <laughs> we'll be rooting for some Maryland money lines, so both of us are winners. Absolutely. Uh, we'll see what happens. Thanks again to Ben Portnoy for joining us. Great having him on the pod. Joe, next week. How fitting is it that episode 60 will be previewing week two of college football and week one of the NFL? It's a big one. God bless. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Can't wait. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.